take your outline there. They're passing those out. And uh, we're going to look at uh, really most of what I'm going to spend my time on this morning is out of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And so if you want to turn there, and of course I've given you an outline that's got uh, many things in it. But this morning, I, as we're, I was thinking about the faithfulness of God, I've, uh, Lord led me to this uh, outline, this message this morning from 1 Thessalonians 5, and I've entitled it, You Can Count on God. Uh, we're just saying he's a faithful friend. Uh, you can count on him to the very end. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in life that are friends to you, but sometimes when things get difficult, uh, sometimes you can't count on certain people. And uh, the truth is, you can probably on one hand count the number of people that when it comes to uh, needing somebody to be there for you, those are the people that you can count on. I'm glad that I never have to think about, is God going to be there for me? The Lord is always there. He's always faithful and such a faithful friend as we sang about this morning. So this morning, as we think about this matter of counting on God, the Bible says there in your notes in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, now notice, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, anything we do for the Lord, folks, there is, if nothing else, there is an eternal significance to it. Our labor, what we do for the Lord, even something very simple. We, my wife and I, we were in the state of Tennessee this past week. We pulled up to a stop sign, a stoplight, and there was a man there holding a sign. You see him everywhere. And my wife looked over at me and she said, she said, hey, listen, I don't have a lot of uh, cash on you. She kind of looked at me and I, I never have any cash on me. <laughs> so with daughters and grandchildren. And, and so she, uh, I said, you know, if I had some, I'd give you some. She goes, I, I think I've got a little bit in my purse. She said, should I, you know, I think I want to give that guy something. I said, that'd be fine. And we had some food in the car. And I said, here, give him some of this too. And so she rolled the window down and the man came over and she handed it to him. And of course the man said, uh, you know, hey, thank you very much. You know, and, and what we need to understand is that, you know, even the smallest of things to be an encouragement to someone else, it is not in vain when it's done for the Lord. And it's one of the things that I, God put on my heart about that board, even though it's kind of a simple thing and I've never done it before, is I think it's just a great way to encourage people that everything we do for God, there is a great significance behind it. it, it look, to me, it all starts in the heart. Uh, that's why, you know, when it comes to even those simple little notes you're putting on the board, it's not about putting your name on there because it's not about what you did. It's about what God did through you. And that's what we see here this morning is as, as Christians, or as uh, Paul writes there to those in Corinth, he, he calls them beloved brethren. I love, I love those words there. You know, if we're saved, then there is a camaraderie, there's a bond that we have, and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says that these folks that were, honestly, the church in Corinth was a very young church, very uh, new believers in Christ. A lot of them had uh, been living such a life like many of us that had been li living a life of sin, but God had gloriously saved them, and now he calls them his beloved brethren. And he says, look, if there's anything I can encourage you is, is that I, God wants you to be steadfast. He doesn't want you to be moved around. He says, unmovable, always abound. In other words, always looking for something, always wanting to be a blessing. 
You know, I love to see Christians, instead of being like the world and just sitting down and going, okay, serve me, I love seeing Christians roll up their sleeves and say, what can I do to help? Uh, you know, how can I be a part of this? Now, listen, everything you do, no matter how small or how big, there is, there's always going to be a blessing that comes out of that because there's great joy in serving Jesus. And that's, that's the heart of, of God. That's the heart of the ministry. And when I say the ministry, I'm talking about the work of God. See, the Lord's called me into full, what we call full-time ministry. But if you're saved today as a child of God, God wants you to be involved in his work. And now when you think about that, I, I, look, look what it says here in, in 1 Thessalonians 5. And I love this verse, verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you, who, will also, who also will do it. Now the word faithful there is the word pistos. And here's what it means. Trustworthy. Now think about that. Trustworthy. Because as I look at this verse, it is saying God, he is trustworthy. He is faithful. I, read, I heard a story years ago about a little boy that was he, was, he was on a train and he was riding uh, to his destination. He boarded this train just like the rest of the passengers. The only difference was this little boy was all by himself. And he went in, sat down on the train, and, and they started on their journey. And, and uh, all of a sudden, before long, the, the rain started to fall outside. The wind was blowing. And I guess there must have been some trees that with strong winds, the branches from those trees were hitting the sides of the train cars as they were going down the tracks. And then lightning started to flash outside, and then thunder started to roll. And before long, it was a full-blown storm, but this train was heading down the tracks right in the midst of this violent storm. And they, all these passengers were on board, and of course, it was all adults. And here's this little boy, and he's sitting there all by himself, minding his own business. And they noticed, a couple ladies looked over, and they saw the little boy, and these women, they were very concerned about, you know, is lightning going to hit one of these trees and a branch would fall on the tracks and maybe the, the train would be uh, thrown off the tracks. And, and you, know, you know, as adults, that will, we tend to start to overthink things, overanalyze things. They're thinking, you know, are, are we going to make it, you know? And this little boy, they noticed, was just playing contently. He was minding his own business and his mom or whoever it was, had packed him a, a little backpack and he had taken it off and he had some toys in there. He was playing with a few things. And one of the ladies finally, she, she thought, I'm going to go over and she sat down next to the boy and she said, aren't you, aren't you kind of concerned about what's going on outside? And he looked at her and he goes, no, ma'am. She said, don't you hear the rain uh, hitting the, the sides of the train and, and, and the, the lightning flashing outside and the thunder? I mean, aren't you kind of concerned? I mean, she was really encouraging this little boy, you know. And, uh, you know, honestly, little kids, none of that was going through his mind. But here she is. She's all concerned about it. And she's thinking to herself, how in the world could this little boy be so calm when he's going through the storm? And, and so she finally, she just, it, was, it was just eating her on the inside. And she thought, I just got to ask him. She said, son, how can you just be sitting here so calm and none of this bothered you? And the little boy looked up at her and said, well, ma'am, it's easy. My father is the conductor of this train, and he always gets me safely home. And you know, that's a great lesson for us, is storms come and things happen in our lives, 
But if we know the conductor, if he is our father, we'll safely make it home. You know, some of the things I spoke about just a minute ago, our granddaughter and Brother Tim and others, things happen in life. But we need to make sure that we, as it says here this morning, that we can count on God. I know this for 33 years. For me, 33 years and counting, I've been able to count on God because that's how long I've known Him. And every day I trust Him more and more with no matter what happens in my life. And I hope, I hope you're the same way this morning because I know it's easy, folks, to be like that lady on the train and worry about everything. But let's be like that little boy and just count on God. I want, I want you to see a couple thoughts this morning because honestly, the truth is people will let you down, but God never will. God never has and he never will. Uh, you know, he, he will never fail, we just sang. So look at the first thing that I want you to see is that you and I can count on God because God cares. God cares. The world doesn't care. Uh, people you work with don't care. The government many times doesn't care, but God does. Look back at 1 Corinthians, uh, first, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians, again, chapter 5, verse 24. Look what the Bible says here. Faithful is he. Faithful is he. Now, look, at, look what it says in Deuteronomy 7, 9. Who's the he that we're talking about? Well, look how he's described in Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know, therefore, that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant mercy with them, that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Folks, that, that's our God. That's my God that the word of God is talking about there. He is the faithful God. And we need to know that today, that we can count on him and that he is faithful to us in every way. What are some ways that he is faithful? Well, look, he cares, first of all, about his children. Now, God's given me four wonderful children, and I love each one of them. And you know, the one thing that I want to do, and I realized my responsibility years ago is, I want to care for them. I want to be faithful as a father to my children. And look, I only have four. Think about how many children God has. I mean, you think about all the birthdays and anniversaries and all those types of things. But I'll tell you this, every day, I just had a word of prayer with Brother Tim in the hospital, and I, I, I prayed and I said, thank you, Lord, for another day of life for Brother Tim. And you think about how God cares for us. Look, don't listen to the devil and the critics and all those people out there that when something happens in your life, they want to be like Job's wife. Why don't you just curse God and die? No, I think I'll just rather say I just trust him. I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. Folks, we've got to see that he cares for us. The Bible tells us clearly that the Lord cares for us. I think a great example, Jesus in Luke 13, 34, notice, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And look, we understand this day and hour that the church is not a building, right? Right? It's people, the people of God. So when Jesus says, oh, Jerusalem, now no doubt that city was a very special place. But when he says, oh, Jerusalem, he's not talking about a city. He's talking about the people. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He says uh, here, 
which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. The Lord cares about his children. He cared. Jesus cared about Jerusalem. He cared about those people that were inside that city. Hey, look, you study the Old Testament. One thing I find when I study the Word of God is that God sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, just think about the magnitude of what I just said. Three million. And they were out in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. God sustained them. You know, I said to uh, Tim and Maylene, I said, are your boys okay while you're here? He, Tim's here in the hospital. She said, yeah, they're doing fine. And I kind of missed when she was telling me. And all I heard was that, that she went, they went to the store and got some groceries. And I looked at her and I said, your sons went grocery shopping? And she said, no, 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 no. She said, I went grocery shopping and took some groceries to him. I said, oh, okay, because if teenage boys go grocery shopping, they come home with like Funyuns and ice cream sandwiches, you know, it's a totally different thing. But, you know, and I've, I've heard it said, I, I, can't, I can't attest to this, but I've heard that boys eat a lot of food. I can't attest to that. I've never had one, you know. But, I, but you know, you think about this. God had three million people in the wilderness. I don't know if you've ever been out in the wilderness, but there's not much besides sagebrush, Cactus, sand, you know, you know, yeah, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that God can furnish a table in the wilderness. See, our God can do anything, folks. You know why? Because he cares about us. God cares. He will help us in any situation. God will provide. Years ago when I was in Bible college, I was, you know, again, God taught me many things while I was in Bible college, and the reality is, is what he was doing in my life, as, as in the lives of many in college and even you uh, in your life, is the Lord was trying to teach me that I, I could count on him, that, I, that he cared about me. But we got to Bible college, and I remember that the, the little bit of resources we had when we went to Bible college, it was all gone, every last bit of it. And I found myself without any uh, financial backing or support, and my wife kind of looked at me, we we're sitting on the couch, and she said, you know, she goes, what are we going to do? Now, I'm not going to test that I'm some spiritual giant, but I looked at my wife, and I just, this is what I said to her, I said, I can tell you this, God did not bring us this far to walk away from us. I said, I don't know how it's going to happen, I don't know what the Lord's going to do. And the funniest thing happened, because I ended up going, long story short, I went to this guy's house, I got a phone call, some guy I didn't even know. He called me, asked me to come take a look at this uh, job. He was working on a house. He was building a house for someone. And whoever was doing the work wasn't, uh, wasn't fulfilling their part of the, the agreement. And so he called me over, said, hey, can you do this? I said, sure. He says, can you give me a price? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll work up a price and send it to you. He goes, no, 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 just give me a price right now. And I kind of looked at him. I said, well, it'll just be a ballpark. And, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, my refrigerator was empty. My freezer was empty. <clears throat> we were... We weren't starving, but we were heading that way. And uh, I just knew the Lord was going to come through. I didn't know when, how, or, or why, or all that types of stuff. I was just trusting the Lord. 
And the man says to me, he says, uh, uh, you know, how much do you think? And I gave him a figure, and I was trying to be very just, uh, you know, discerning about how much to tell him because I, I needed the work. I'm, honestly, I would have done it for just about as least as I could. So I gave him a figure, and he goes, okay. And then he asked me this question, never been asked th that question before, never been asked that question since. He said, would you take a calf? I said, take a what? He said, take a calf. I said, are you talking like a moo cow? And he said, yeah. And I said, what am I going to do with a cow? And he goes, no, let me explain. He took the time to explain to me. He took me out. He, he had a pasture, and uh, it was out in a, kind of a country rural setting. He goes, you see all those cows over there? I said, yeah. He said, those are Charlay cows. I didn't ever heard of a Charlay cow. You know, and I said, I said, okay, uh, great, they're cows, you know. And he said, uh, he said, I, I, I raise cattle, and I have, uh, you know, every so often I'll take some to the butcher, and he said, I have five of them at the butcher, but he said, I only have three sold. I have two full cows. He said, I need to get them out of there because they won't store them for me, all that meat. And I said, okay, so uh, I still don't understand what you're asking me. He said, well, I want to know, will you take a cow, a calf, for this job. I said, are you talking about trading me meat for a job? And he looked at me and says, yes. And I said, well, I've never been asked that before. I said, well, how much are we talking? He says, well, he pulled out the cards. He says each one of them is about 450 pounds of beef. I was like, 450 pounds of beef? <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, you know? I was like, and then I, yeah, then I was like, well, you know, I mean, we, we'll have food to eat, but we won't have money to pay our bills, but we'll, we'll survive, you know? And, and so I thought, okay, so I called my wife. I said, she goes, did you get the job? I said, well, it's kind of interesting, you asked. I said, the guy wants to pay me with a calf. She said, a what? I said, a cow. She goes, well, what are we going to do with a cow? We had the same conversation on the phone. And, and my wife said, uh, sure, let's, tr let's try it. So we did. I took the job, did the job, but before I even started the job, the guy pulled us up to my house the next day, and his entire back of his truck is full of all this meat. I said, I hadn't even started the job yet. He goes, doesn't matter. I told you I had to get that meat out of there. We ate steak. We ate, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling, I would go to, I'd, I was a married guy. I was at Bible college. I was an old married guy, and, and all these younger guys, they were right out of high school, and, and uh, I would say to him in class, I'd say, hey, you want to come over for dinner tonight? Now, that's like shaking a bone in front of a dog. You know, these, these college guys, they, you know, they act like they're starving at their campus, but they're not starving. They just are missing mommy's cooking, you know. And so I, I would say to him, hey, you want to come over? And another guy would hear me asking. He goes, can I come over too? And I said, sure. So, you know, after class, I would say, now, just come over about 7 or 6 o'clock or whatever. And they're like, okay. And then I would say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, uh, do you guys want T-bone, porterhouse, or ribeye? <laughs> and they'd look at me like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. Which one do you want, T-bone, porterhouse, or ribeye? And word got out, you need to go to Brother Keeley's house for, for dinner. <laughs> do you Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The sheer fact that God cared and he, he gave us that, and, and it filled our freezer. We had, I had a chest freezer that was completely empty, completely filled it, filled the freezer above our refrigerator. I am convinced to this day, you, you can think whatever you want, but I'm, I'm convinced that because God gave that to me and because we were not selfish with it, I'm convinced that God multiplied. We, I ate on that meat for well over a year. When we moved to Maryland after I graduated from Bible college, I, the last thing I put on our truck before we drove eight hours to Maryland 
was the freezer. I locked the freezer, unplugged it, put it on the truck, got in the truck, drove to Maryland, got out of the truck, plugged it in, and we ate on that beef in Maryland. I, I was like, I, I have no idea other than God cares for us. And listen, you have to know that that just convinced me to a greater degree that I can count on him. That God cares and God, listen, I'm telling you this morning, if God's done it in my life, I know that he can or has done it in your life. The Lord cares for us. Look what the Bible says in Joshua 4. I love these verses. That this may be a sign among you. Now watch this. That when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and that these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel for how long? Forever. Let me just paraphrase it. It's an opportunity for the parents to tell their children, hey, listen, that's when God came through. That's when God cared for us. That's when God took care of us. And by the way, son, daughter, when it happens in your life, guess what? You can count on him because he cares for you. And, and I see here that he cares about his children. Notice he also cares about his covenants. Look, the very thing that amazes me about God is that God is a covenant God. There are many, I wish I had the time, and I, I don't know if you've ever studied them out. There's a lot of great covenants in the word of God. Clearly, look, we are not Israel. Uh, you can study the Word of God. I know a lot of people have different opinions about that. But you have Israel and you have the church. The church was not established until Jesus came and he gave himself. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we are not Israel and Israel is not the church. But understand that there are covenants, there are promises that God made with the nation of Israel that do not belong to us that are not Israel, but there are covenants and promises that God has given to us. And the one thing I know is this, is that God cares about those covenants. In other words, God cares about his promises. Now, have you ever had somebody break a promise to you? You know, a lot of people promise all kinds, politicians. Oh my goodness. You know, they, they try to get into office by promising this, promising this, promising this. And it means absolutely nothing because none of them ever keep those promises. But here's what I see is God's not like politicians. Uh, look, at, look at what it says in Hebrews 11, 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to, con to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Well, you know, Sarah, I mean, seriously, you're pretty old and you want to have a child? Yeah, because God's promise. God promised this to me, and God always keeps his promises, right? See, we don't have to worry about whether or not God's going to fulfill his promises because God always does. I love the, the true story about Hudson Taylor and a lot of things I could talk about him, but he's known as the founder of the China Inland Mission where the, back, back in the day when there was no one that had gone inland in China with the gospel of the, of the Lord Jesus, that, that Taylor used to hang in his home a plaque. And in that, 
on that plaque in his home, there were two Hebrew words on it. And the two Hebrew words, the first word was the word Ebenezer. The second one was Jehovah Jireh. Now, the first word actually means hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And the second word, Jehovah Jireh, actually means the Lord will see to it or the Lord will provide. Now, what's neat about that and what it reminded Hudson, uh, Hudson Taylor was that when he looked at this, one of those words looked back while the other one looked forward. Uh, they reminded him of God's faithfulness and all the other assurances that God had made to him in his word. That's why it's so very important. I'm going to talk about that this morning uh, in one of our services about uh, the promises of God and, and, and uh, identifying and highlighting and, and reading and meditating and rehearsing those promises that God is... Look, not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground. You know why? Because God cares about his covenants. See, God cares, and that's one reason that we can count on him. But look at the second thing is God can be counted on because he calls. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you. That calleth you. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, look at it. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, look, I remember when the Lord started dealing with me. I remember when I got under conviction, I didn't know Christ as my Savior. I remember the many times that God has spoken to me. I've never heard His voice audibly, but I know this much, that God has called out to me. God has shown me things. And folks, listen, I hope that God has done that in your life because I still believe that God is calling out people today to do things far greater than they've ever done before. Listen, for the cause of Christ. Uh, there's a lot of great people we could use in as, as an example. One of those is a man by the name of Timothy Stackpole. You might not recognize the name, but he was a New York firefighter. He was severely burned in, in a 1998 fire. And after Timothy Stackpole recovered from his burns, he returned to the force despite the advice of some friends and family. Some of them told him, they said, you know, Timothy, why don't you just, you know, after what you've been through, why don't you just retire? I mean, you, you can retire comfortably, just live out your days and kind of do whatever you want to do. But Timothy just decided, no, I, I don't want to do that. He said, I, I, I believe that this is uh, my calling in life. And so what happened was Timothy later on was one of the firefighters that ran into the second tower uh, in New York City and tried to save some people. When he did, that tower collapsed on him and took his life. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, Timothy should have just retired and he'd still be alive today. But here's the reason that Timothy went into that tower is because he knew his calling. And you know what his calling was? To save people. And you know what your calling is? God saved you and left you here for one reason. So that you could point other people to Jesus. You see, God cares, but God also calls. We can, we can count on Him. God wants you. Every one of us have family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors that don't know Christ. And just like Timothy Stackpole, he look, he saw 
the need to go back in that building. You know why? Because that building was on fire. There were people in there, and he thought, if I don't get those people out, they're going to die. And you and I that are saved, we have God's word. And you know what God's word instructs us? That without Christ, they will spend eternity separated from God for eternity. And you and I should care enough, just like Timothy did, to go to them. Because if we don't, they will step out into eternity without the Lord, folks, and then it will be too late. They won't have the opportunity to be saved by that time. Look, God, by His Holy Spirit, has called every one of us into a life of service. And what you and I need to do, because He is faithful, we need to live for Him. We need to give our lives for Him. Look what it says in Romans eleven twenty nine: 29, The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God made no mistake when He saved you. And there's no, there, it's, it's no mystery why you're even here today is because God cares about you and God has called you. But look at the third thing that Paul wrote to those in Thessalonica. Look at verse 24 again. Here's what it says. Faithful is he, he cares, that calleth you, but look at the end of it, who also will do it. Now remember, we're talking about a God that is trustworthy. So here's the third thing I see is we can count on him because he carries he carries. He not only cares, he not only calls, but he carries. Look, the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Look, we did not save ourselves, right, folks? God saved us. And God is the one who will carry us through. God is the one that is with us. Look what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 10. But the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye had suffered a while. Anybody, anybody experience that in your life? A little suffering here or there? Uh, look, that's this life we live in. You know, I, I told Brother Tim, I said, Brother Tim, if you were feeling that way the last couple of days, why didn't, you, why didn't you go to the hospital or something? He goes, Pastor, he goes, the older I get, he says, I, every day of my life I have aches and pains. You know, and I get up in the morning, I think I, I screak and crack and pop more than the floor does. <laughs> you know, and, and we have to understand that as we live this life, that, that God is trying to, to work in our lives, but there is going to be some suffering. And, and notice it says, just a while, okay? It's, it's not going to be forever, but watch this. While we are suffering, look what he wants to do in your life. Look at these words make you perfect. Well, look, the word perfect doesn't mean that we're flawless. It means a maturing, a becoming more like Christ, all right? And here's what we see is, look at this. I just shared this with somebody. How do we become perfect or mature? By means of our trials. You know, I, I was just talking to somebody and said, look, oftentimes we come out of those situations stronger then we went into them. I've never understood, but medically, I've been told this quite a few times, that a bone that is broken heals stronger than it was before it was broken. I don't get that, but that's what they claim medically. is. And, it, and when we go through something a little while, you know, I see Kayla over here. She's been through so much. And look, she's sitting over there with a smile on her face. Folks, we have to understand that it's through those times of trials that he wants to make us perfect. Look at the next word, establish. That's a great word here. It means to be fixed firmly. So many times, you know, we, we're, we're kind of to and fro. We're kind of blown around. God says, look, 
I want you to get fixed. You know, it shouldn't be you're in church this Sunday, you're not in church the next Sunday, you miss a couple weeks here, there, this back forth. He says, look, you need to get fixed firmly in your life. He says it's going to happen as you have suffered a while. Then look what he says, strengthen you. All of us need to be strengthened. Well, guess what? It's not in my own power. I'm barely even standing up this morning. Anybody else feel like that today? You know, But you know what I need? I need God's power. I heard a man preach, a man instrumental, Dr. Clarence Sexton, uh, Wednesday night. You know, he's looking for your daughter. She's out traveling with the volleyball team. She should have been in the choir, so I could have saw her. And so, so Dr. Sexton, he's had, he's had eight back surgeries. He's got a titanium neck. He's got rods in his body. And, uh, you know, like my wife said, just watching the guy makes us hurt. And he had that cane, and he's, he, he's up on the platform. He gets over there, and he sets that cane there. And it, for about 25, 30 minutes, preached with such power, he forgot that he even has a limp, forgot about his titanium neck. Listen, God just raised him up with the power of God to do. That's what God can do for you today. Whatever you're going through, God can strengthen you. And then look at this. I love this other word, settle you. Well, what, look, how are we going to get settled? Have a firm foundation. If you got, look, Jesus is the foundation. And if our life is built on the right foundation, then what is he going to do? He's going to carry us. No one understood this more than Adniram Judson. He labored faithfully, listen to this, in Burma for 18 years without a furlough. 18 years. A lot of missionaries, about every four years, they'll go on furlough. He was there for 18 years. In the first six years, he did not have a single Burmese convert. 18 years, he never saw one person saved. Now, just think about how you know, a lot of people would be depressed. So here's what, here's what he said. Judson said that he never saw a ship leave Burma without wanting to be on it. He thought, maybe I should just go home. When his wife became sick and had to go home for two years without him, here's what he wrote. If we could find some quiet resting place on earth where we could spend the rest of our days in peace and perform the ordinary services of religion. But then he wrote after he wrote that, he wrote these words. Life is short. Happiness consists not in outward circumstances. Millions of Burmese are perishing and I am almost the only person on earth who has attained their language to communicate to them salvation. He thought, look, I, I don't know how, but I just need God's help to reach these people. And that's why Paul wrote these very words, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Back in 1555, as part of her campaign to reestablish the Catholic Church in England, I'm sure most of us have heard the name Queen Mary, or Bloody Mary, as she was known. She, Bloody Mary arranged to have a man, uh, John Philpot, who was one, at that time one of the leading Protestant ministers of the day, she arranged to have Philpot burned at the stake. And the story goes that when he, he was, his death sentence was pronounced, this is what Philpot said. He said, I am ready. God grant me strength and a joyful resurrection. Philpot walked to the place. He wasn't drugged. He wasn't forced against his will. He walked to the place of his execution on his own 
rather than having to be dragged to it. And when he reached it, he knelt down. Think about this, folks. I'm not making this up. He knelt down and kissed it. The stake they were going to tie him to to burn him to death. You see, we need to be faithful. You know why? Because we have a faithful God. Look at these words somebody wrote. Yea, new every morning, though we may awake, our hearts with old sorrow beginning to ache. With old work unfinished, when night stayed our hand, with new duties waiting, unknown and unplanned. With old care still pressing to fret and to vex, with new problems rising, our minds to perplex, in ways long familiar and past yet untrod, oh, new every morning, the mercies of God. His faithfulness fails not. It meets each new day, new guidance for every new step of the way. New grace for new trials, new trust for old fears, new patience for bearing the wrongs of the years, new strength for new burdens, new courage for old, new faith for whatever the day may unfold. As fresh for each need as the dew on the sod, oh, new every morning, the mercies of God. You know, when I think about this and I think about how we can count on God, here's the question is, can he count on you? And I want to be someone that God can count on. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for being such a faithful friend, faithful to the end, Lord. We can count on you, and we know that. We're thankful for that. And Lord, I pray that we would take this with us. I can't think of an easier thing to speak about than how faithful you are to us. While we were yet sinners, you sent your son to die for us. You care for us, and you will carry us through. Lord, help us to be encouraged by the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.